For the last two weeks, three weeks really, this will be number three, we've been talking about the table of the Lord. We've been looking at Paul's letter to a broken church. Uh, you see that church on the screen has a crooked steeple, so do we, but I understand we're going to be getting that fixed. That's going to be gone before long. And so perhaps some other things the Lord will be able to straighten out at our church. A lot of things were broken at the church at Corinth, and so Paul is addressing these things. Now, in the New Testament, the table of the Lord refers to one significant moment in the life of the church, and that's when the church comes together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And Paul calls it communion. We'll look at that verse in just a minute, but he said it's a communion with the body of Christ. It's a communion with the sharing of Christ, and that's why many churches call the Lord's Supper communion because of that one word in that verse. The word is sharing in the New American Standard Bible, and the Greek word is fellowship, koinonia. It's fellowship. Uh, Paul talks about if you want to have fellowship with Christ, he said, you know, in the first chapter, he said, you've been called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what church, being a part of the church, is all about. Did you know that the only other place in the Bible where the expression, the table of the Lord is used, other than this one passage in the book of 1 Corinthians, is in the book of Malachi, where Malachi talks about the table of the Lord, and there the table of the Lord is not a table at all. It's an altar where the priest would offer, an, offer a sacrifice. And at that table of the Lord, at that altar, when the priest offered the sacrifice, he would partake of that sacrifice as an act of identification, understanding that that sacrifice was in his place, that through that sacrifice alone, that he would have forgiveness of sins. And so what Paul does here is he connects the table of the Lord, the altar in the Old Testament, and the table of the Lord in the New Testament. Let's look at verse 16 of chapter 10. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and then we're going to move to our main text in chapter 11. In verse 16, he said, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing, a communion, a fellowship in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing, a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ. And then we looked at verse 21. And he said, You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And so now we want to look at the rest of Paul's instructions as he was giving them to the church at Corinth. As he was trying to correct some issues in their life. And how best to correct them than to exalt the cross of Christ. And what better place to exalt the cross of Christ than the table of the Lord. Chapter 11, verse 23, Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Verse 27, Therefore, 
Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. In so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Now what Paul does for us in this passage of scripture, he lays out for us the perils of coming to the table of the Lord. We've taken three weeks. This is the third one. Next week, the table of the Lord will be spread here at the front of our church. The cup and the bread will be here before you and you will come individually. No one is going to pass anything to you next week. You will come individually to the table of the Lord if you can and you will partake of that sacrifice that will remind you that he died for you and that he died in your place. The first peril of approaching the table of the Lord is approaching a holy God on holy ground. We think of the places in the Bible that are holy ground. One of those places is found in the Old Testament book of Exodus in the 19th chapter where the Lord came down on Mount Sinai. And uh, that is described, uh, the Lord said to, to the people, go and consecrate he said to Moses, consecrate the people, make sure they're ready by the third day. They had to make preparation themselves. And he said, you come to Mount Sinai in the presence of all the people. You'll come out the mount up the mountain. You'll put limits around the mountain. And then in verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain. We're just looking at holy ground, what it looks like. And a very loud trumpet blast. The Bible says everyone in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. It, it billowed like smoke billowing up from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. There was a trumpet sound and it grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the Lord answered him with thunder. And the people were warned, don't touch this mountain because you, if you do, you'll die. This mountain is holy ground. I read that passage of scripture to you because we understand that there's a tension that takes place when people approach a holy God on holy ground and there is no more holy ground in a moment of worship in a church than when you and I come to the foot of the cross and we do that no more clearly than when we come to the Lord's table. There are worship encounters today that are smoke and mirrors theatrical elements, lighting and music combined to give one, one a sense of awe, but this was simply God on the mountain, one of the holiest moments in all of scripture. But you, did you know that the writer of Hebrews goes back to that moment and he also connects that moment to the cross. And he says this in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, chapter 12, verses 18 through 24, he said, you, church, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking 
words that those who heard them begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am filled with fear and trembling, but you have come instead to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He says to them, you have come to much holier ground when you come to the foot of the cross. Paul said, I received from the Lord that instruction that on the night that he was betrayed, he lifted the bread and he lifted the cup. And when he lifted the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And there is no more intimate fellowship between a believer and his Lord than when we come to the moment of the Lord's Supper, when we come to the Lord's table and say there, Lord, you died for me. And here I want to remember you. That's the first peril coming to a holy God on holy ground. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, 10 says, We have an altar from which those who serve at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The Old Testament priests partook of the sacrifice, but when we come to the table of the Lord, it's a unique moment and it's holy ground. The second peril of coming to the table of the Lord is the peril of unworthy worship. There are several pictures in the Old Testament that show us this. As you know, that when Moses inaugurated the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. He took a branch of hyssop and he dipped it in the blood and he sprinkled the stone tablets and when he did, he said, this is the covenant. This is my covenant. This is the blood of the covenant when he sprinkled that blood. He said, this is the blood of the covenant in the Old Testament. Jesus, when he lifted the cup in the New Testament, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. There was, those were holy moments. And perhaps one of the holiest times in the Bible is when the high priest went into the holy of holies. And he took blood and he sprinkled it. Sprinkled blood on the, on the ark of the covenant, on the lid of the ark of the covenant, which was called the mercy seat. The first time that Aaron did that in the Bible, the Bible says the glory of the Lord came down. He filled the, the, he filled the tabernacle with his glory. And Aaron's sons were so impressed by it. They were so impressed by it that they tried what many people try today. They tried to, to imitate it, to reduplicate the moment. And so they brought strange fire before the Lord that the Lord had not commanded. And they came and they tried to make the same thing happen. And you know what happened? When they... Uh, presented unworthy worship to the Lord. Those two sons, Nadab and Abihu, in chapter 10 of Leviticus, the Bible says, the Lord put them to death. They were put to death in the presence of the Lord for that very thing. 
And then you might remember that time when David, with the best of intentions, he, and the ark had been not, not been in the tabernacle, he said, we need to get the ark and we need to bring it back where it belongs. And he sent a group of men with a, an ox cart and oxen and they got the, cart, the, the, the ark and they put it on the cart and the oxen stumbled and the, cart, the, the ark almost fell off and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady it. And, and when he did, what happened? The Lord struck him down. Because of his irreverent act. And he died there, the Bible says, before the ark of God. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. It was an irreverent act. And now look at chapter 11, verse 27. In the New Testament. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Please don't be confused. No one who partakes of the Lord's Supper is ever worthy. The pastor who stands behind the table, when he stands behind the table to, to offer the, those elements, is unworthy to stand there. When the deacons pass the plates that have the elements of the Lord's Supper, the deacons who pass it are all unworthy. And all of us are always unworthy of the sacrifice of our Lord, but to approach the table of the Lord irreverently or to, to do so in an unworthy manner, in a manner that does not recognize the supreme holiness of the moment, the opportunity to have table fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ is to invite severe discipline. It is not just to dishonor the table, it is to dishonor Christ Himself. Now we need to consider. Verses 28 through 30. Paul said, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and many sleep. By the way, this judgment that he's talking about is not an end time judgment it is not an end time judgment it is an in time judgment it is a it is a judgment that comes from God in the present and so what kind of judgment might come to me if I fail to understand the holiness of the sacrifice of Christ the holiness of the ground around the cross the holiness of coming to the table of the Lord. Paul said, here it is. He said, "For because some of you have done so, many of you are weak, are feeble. And so somebody might say, well, that spiritual weakness, that's lacking, being lacking in power, lacking in spiritual strength or stamina, there's no doubt about that, and that's why many Christians are sadly lacking in spiritual vim and vigor. But if we limited the term to that, we'd be missing Paul's point. He is talking about coming to the table of the Lord with a divided heart spiritually. He says, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot drink, uh, eat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. It brings judgment, physical frailty, physical infirmity. Some of you, he says, are weak because you, like Judas have tried to put your feet under two tables. And we've said, 
And we need to say again today that in that moment when Judas sat at the table of the Lord, that when he took the bread, the Bible says Satan entered him and the cup never touched his lips. Jesus said to him before that moment, what you do, do quickly, get your feet out from under my table. You and I don't have any fellowship with each other. Not only so, he says, many of you are sick for the same reason. That is God's judgment on you. This is not some spiritual sickness. It is physical sickness. And you might ask the question, is my, is my sickness judgment from God? Only God can answer that question. Only God. He did not say that everyone who is sick is sick because of God's judgment, but he did say, for this reason, many are weak and sick. And he also says, many sleep. Now, there's something interesting here. There are too many's in that verse. Too many many's. Too many's. Each one of them means something different. The first one simply means many. That means how many? It doesn't say. The second one means a significant number. A significant number. And that's why in some translations you'll read a number sleep. In other words, in that congregation at Corinth, a significant number of people had died. And Paul said, do you want to know why? It's because you have been approaching the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner. And as you know, in the early church, this was something they probably did every week. And he said, you have not thought about it. You have not prayed about it. You have not prepared yourself. You, when you, as the priest in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of Malachi, Malachi said, the Lord speaking through him said, you priests are despising the table of the Lord. And it is not here just to despise the table of the Lord. It is to despise the sacrifice that is offered. And that is the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would God so judge his people? And the scripture is very plain here. It is so that you will not be judged with the world. The unbelieving world is going to be judged with no forgiveness. There will be no forgiveness of their sin. They will be judged with separation from God for all eternity in a judgment that lasts for all eternity, in a place of fire that burns for all eternity, in outer darkness that will be dark for all eternity, in a torment that will be torment for all eternity. That is not what God wants for you. So instead, God sends discipline into our lives. And he says, you might think about how you approach me. Because your very life breath comes from me. And you are to treat me as holy. I remind you of what the Lord said in the Old Testament. Moses said, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 22. Since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to defeat your enemies before you, your camp must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you, lest he turn his face away from you. But here, it's even worse than that. 
and we need to pay attention to the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I realize that all of us here today are unworthy. I know that most keenly about my own life. But I pray, Lord, that across this next week we will prepare ourselves. As they prepared themselves in the Old Testament for when you came down on Mount Sinai, may we prepare yourselves for the moment when we meet with you here and we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come down upon us and that you would do a work that only you can do. And Lord, I realize that while some people may need to take this week to prepare others, Lord, have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. They cannot partake of the Lord's Supper. And they will not partake with you in heaven. They will be shut out of heaven for all eternity because they've never followed you or trusted you. And today, Lord, you may be speaking to their heart, calling them to commitment, to yield up their lives to the Lordship of Christ. We pray, Lord, that each person who hears the voice of your Spirit will respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?